Hey guys, and welcome back. Before we begin, I have to say thank you to everyone for all of the support. I truly appreciate all the messages, comments, and words of encouragement on the first episode. It means a lot, and it just made me that much more excited to get back in here. Now, if you missed episode one, definitely go back and take a listen. But just to recap, I talked about my experiences from grade school up to college, which is when I first started experiencing signs of depression. So in episode two, we're picking up where we left off and talking about recognizing some of the symptoms of depression and what you can do if you or someone you know is experiencing these things. Let's start with changes to your sleep habits. If you remember from last week, this was the first sign that I started to experience. Like I said, I was never a great sleeper, but all of a sudden it became worse. I would lay in bed for hours trying to fall asleep. Now, with someone like me who isn't a great sleeper, this might be a more difficult change to detect. But if you are someone who is usually a good sleeper and you notice that that has changed, then that could be a warning sign. If you all of a sudden begin taking significantly longer to fall asleep and you find yourself not being able to stay asleep, constantly waking up in the middle of the night, and maybe not being able to fall back asleep once you're up, then that's something of which you should take note. The second symptom that I mentioned was mood changes. This one is a little tricky because we all experience mood swings, right? But with depression, it's a bit different because we're not just talking your average mood swings. We're talking extreme highs and extreme lows. One minute you might be over the moon, euphoric almost, and then it could be a few hours later, a few days later, or even months later, you find yourself at the very opposite end of the spectrum, feeling absolutely dejected and like the world is coming to an end. This is actually one of the more telling symptoms of manic depression, also known as bipolar disorder. And so again, I want to stress that with the mood changes, there's really no set time limit or amount of time that the mood swing or the mood change is going to last. For some people, it could be as little as a couple hours, a couple days. For some people, it could last months. And so there's no set time on you know, how long that's going to last. But it is something that you want to keep an eye out for and be aware of. If you are experiencing those sorts of mood changes, it could be a sign of bipolar disorder or manic depression. The third sign that I mentioned was withdrawal. And when I say withdrawal, I'm referring to withdrawal from social situations. This is another tricky one because if you're an introvert like me, then you're often withdrawing from social situations anyway. <laughs> so we'll start there. The way I tell the difference is in the reason that I'm canceling plans or withdrawing. Let's say I've just had a long day and I'm exhausted and need to decompress. Maybe order in, watch a movie by myself, and that's perfectly fine. If I don't feel like going out and being social that evening, that's not out of the norm for me. However, when it becomes a pattern, then it starts to be concerning. Maybe I realize that I've gone a month without wanting to hang out with anyone. That's unusual even for me. And this brings up a key point. You have to know yourself. Keep track of your habits. Deviations from your normal patterns or behavior are what we're looking for. If whatever you're doing is not normal for you, keyword being you, then that's something to which you want to pay attention. You want to start asking the right questions. Am I behaving differently? What's causing this behavior? If you're an extrovert, it might be a bit easier to pick up on withdrawal. If you're someone who's normally a social butterfly, but all of a sudden you find yourself wanting nothing to do with people, then yeah, that should raise some eyebrows. Another major sign is trouble focusing. People with depression often report that they are unable to stay focused on the task at hand, whether that's paying attention to a lecture in class or staying focused on a project at work. The reason for this is that depression often causes hopelessness, and once you get to that place, you often begin to lose interest in activities that you once enjoyed, and life in general begins to lose meaning, and everything seems pointless all of a sudden. 
And so then in your brain, you're thinking, why bother? Why concentrate? Why try to focus when there's no point to any of this? This is actually a good segue into the next symptom, which is loss of motivation. Depression can often rob you of your will. And this stems from the same reason that you have trouble focusing. Because you no longer see the point in anything, why get out of bed in the morning? Why go to work or school? Why eat? Why take care of yourself? When life begins to lose meaning, it's possible to experience a loss of motivation for even the smallest tasks. And all of a sudden, something as simple as brushing your teeth becomes a monumental task that requires a lot of energy. And this actually brings up another point that I had forgotten to include. I don't think a lot of people realize just how much of a drain depression can be. A lot of times, people who are experiencing depression are often viewed as lazy, when in reality, they literally have no energy left. This is why just getting out of bed is so difficult for someone experiencing extreme clinical depression. Or why just taking a shower requires so much energy. You might feel yourself needing to rest after a quick trip to the grocery store. All of this sort of comes with the territory, so to speak, and it's important to remember that. Now, before I go on, I want to remind you that everyone experiences depression differently. It's not going to look the same from person to person. So, for example, where one person might have trouble doing something as simple as getting out of bed or brushing their teeth, another person might not experience that. Another person might, you know, be able to get up, go to work, and function normally, or so it appears from the outside, while inside they're fighting this battle that no one knows anything about because they haven't told anyone. And so that's where oftentimes you'll hear that, you know, maybe unfortunately someone committed suicide. And a lot of times you'll hear that, um, you know, oh, this person was so joyful. They were, they were always joking and laughing. And that's because it, it can be so difficult to tell or to pick up on the warning signs of depression. And that's something where, again, we want to pay attention to behavior patterns. So if someone you know is displaying behavior even if it's just subtle, even if it's just something subtle, but they're displaying behavior that, you know, they don't normally display or that you're not used to, or something seems off, even if it's the smallest thing, you know, you might want to follow up on that. You might want to just um, gently be like, you know, hey, what's going on? You know, is everything okay? Because a lot of times people with depression, you know, they might not externally display the signs that you expect them to display. Um, a lot of times these signs are a lot of times these signs are things that they're keeping to themselves. And so you want to be very vigilant when it comes to looking out for those signs. Anxiety was another one of the symptoms that I mentioned. This is a feeling of uneasiness, nervousness, dread, anything along those lines. It's normal to be anxious in certain situations, such as before a job interview or a first date or a big exam. But when you start worrying constantly about things that you never worried about before or things that would seem trivial to most people, that's when you should pay attention. It's often said that depression and anxiety go hand in hand. And this is because in many situations, one can trigger the other. So let's say you're feeling anxious about something. Let's say you have a big exam coming up and you get so anxious to the point where it affects your performance on that exam and you don't do your best. Then you begin to get down on yourself about it and that leads to depression. Then because you're depressed, you lose motivation to study or to go to class, which causes you to fail more exams. And so it becomes a vicious cycle. This is something that I experienced firsthand in college. And so we'll talk later on about how we can get around that. Feeling disconnected is a difficult one to explain, but I'll try my best. So in life, it's always good to have a certain level of awareness. But I also feel as though you need to be oblivious to a certain extent. You don't really want to pull the veil back too much. 
Let me explain what I mean by that. Many times throughout my struggles with depression, I felt as though I was too aware. I spent so much time wrapped up in trying to figure out what the point of all this was to where it became an existential crisis of sorts. So when you start questioning whether or not life has meaning or what your purpose is, you can get to a place where you start to feel detached from society. You begin looking around at everyone else just blissfully enjoying life, going through the motions, and you become a spectator instead of a participant. Again, it's difficult to explain, but if you have been in that place before, then you get what I'm saying. Next, we come to negative self-talk. And this is such an easy one to miss because we can do it without even noticing. It can start out with something as simple as missing a turn or missing your exit when you're driving, and you might mutter something to yourself like, God, you're an idiot. And then you tell yourself that again if you spill a glass of water or fail a driving test or whatever it is. Like I mentioned in the last episode, I used to tell myself the most awful things and I started to truly believe them. Going off on one of my tangents here, but anyone who knows me knows that I love golf. It's my passion. And one thing that many golfers do is talk down on themselves. You hit a bad shot, and you might say something like, geez, you suck at this. And I've often been guilty of this. But when it gets to be debilitating is when that negative self-talk carries over to the next shot, and it begins to affect your game as a whole. Same with real life. I became so used to telling myself awful things that I started to believe them. And your brain is wired in such a way that if you tell yourself something often enough, it becomes the truth. Or it becomes your truth, rather. And so I truly began to believe that I was stupid and ugly. I would walk into a room and look at other people and compare myself and just want to shrink away like, Dan, you're the ugliest person in this room. You don't belong here. Shoot, you're probably the dumbest person in this room too. You need to just go away. And when this negative self-talk spirals out of control, it can lead to the final symptom that I want to talk about, which is suicidal thoughts. So with suicidal thoughts, this is probably the most well-documented and well-publicized symptom. I think, you know, we're all familiar with what suicidal thoughts looks like. But a lot of times we don't realize that suicidal thoughts can be both active and passive. And so what do I mean by that? Well, most of us are used to um, or used to hearing about active suicidal thoughts, right? Like, I want to end my life and so I'm going to take some action or some measure towards that. But suicidal thoughts can also be passive. You know, like I mentioned in episode one, I wasn't one who was necessarily going, I want to end my life and I'm going to do something about it. I was more along the lines of, if my life ends by some other means, I would be totally okay with that. And I don't, I don't think that we realize that that also counts as suicidal thoughts, right? Like, if someone you know, you know is having those thoughts or experiencing those thoughts, then that's something to which you also want to pay attention, along with, obviously, the active suicidal thoughts of, you know, I want to do something towards ending my life. Okay, let's shift gears a bit and talk about some of the things that we can do to combat some of these symptoms. Before we get to that, though, I want to say that there is no cure-all or one-size-fits-all for depression. Just like you may not experience the same symptoms as another person, what works for one person may be completely useless to someone else. It's important to keep that in mind. Also, this is mostly coming from my perspective and things that have worked for me as well as information that I've gathered from other sources over the years. I'm not a mental health professional, and I'm definitely not a substitute for speaking to a licensed therapist. With that being said, let's get into it. From what I've observed, there are long-term and short-term fixes for the symptoms of depression. In other words, there are actions that you can take in the moment, and there are certain steps that you can take long-term. So, for example, an in-the-moment tool would be, you know, if you're feeling down and you're able to do so, go out for a jog if you're so inclined to run. Me, I have a strong dislike for running, so that couldn't be me. A long-term measure would be to have a regular exercise routine. Speaking of routine, 
This is the first item that I'm going to mention on the list of things that you can do. This is something that I personally struggle with because I like variety, but having a consistent and solid routine is so important and yet so underrated. This can help you with your sleep habits as well as mood swings. Make sure that you go to bed and wake up at the same time every day. I think a lot of us already know this, but varying your bedtime and wake up time can throw off your circadian rhythm or your natural internal cycle. If you have trouble falling asleep, some things that have worked for me are listening to white noise, like rainforest sounds or thunderstorm sounds that you can find on Spotify. Or sometimes I listen to a podcast and fall asleep to that. You can also try taking melatonin or Z-Quil. I find that Z-Quil works for me pretty well. In more extreme cases, perhaps talk to your doctor about sleeping pills. One thing you want to make sure of is that you're logged off all electronic devices. Put your phone on Do Not Disturb and make sure your laptop or tablet is put away. Those things will keep you up for hours, trust me. Okay, so what can we do about trouble focusing? This is an interesting one because trouble focusing can be a result of ADHD, which if that's the case, then you want to talk to your doctor about that. But if you feel as though it might be stemming from depression, then what you can do is break your work up into smaller, more manageable tasks. Create a to-do list of things that you know you can get done, and then break that list up into sections, prioritizing the more important tasks first. Taking frequent breaks is something else you'll want to do. Sitting and trying to do anything for five to six hours will drain you of your energy. Like I mentioned earlier, with depression, you're already going to be low on energy, and so it's important to not skip your breaks. When you focus on accomplishing things little by little, the task doesn't seem as insurmountable anymore. This is a good segue into loss of motivation. When you lose motivation, everything seems like an insurmountable task, and this is where you really need to give yourself grace. You need to understand that when you're depressed, anything you accomplish, no matter how trivial it might seem, is worthy of celebration. If you only have enough energy to get out of bed and brush your teeth and shower that day, that's huge. If you find the strength to accomplish anything on your to-do list, that's a bonus. Another important thing here is to have someone that will hold you accountable or be able to give you a gentle nudge in the right direction. Someone who will call you or show up and be like, hey, let's go to the park today. Let's do something. Let's get you out of bed. One of my friends actually did this with me one day when I didn't feel like getting out of bed. He showed up at my house and was like, hey, let's go do something. I'm not leaving until you come out. And it worked. You can use the same tactic if you're experiencing withdrawal. Fight the urge to shut yourself off from everyone else. Have someone who will gently force you to come out and be social because it's much needed sometimes. This is where you really want to lean on your friends and family. Interestingly enough, anxiety and feeling disconnected can have the same fix, meditation. In my experience, both of these things come as a result of overthinking. When I overthink, I become anxious, and I can also get in my head so much to the point where I begin to feel disconnected. And so meditation is a great way to combat that. There are a lot of great apps out there now that help with this. Mindfulness is also something that you'll want to work on. These things will help you get out of your own head and engage more with the world around you. Next, we come to negative self-talk. One of the best pieces of advice I got on this was to talk to yourself the way that you talk to your best friend. I would never tell my best friend the things that I used to tell myself, and yet I felt like it was okay to talk to myself that way. This is such a hard habit to break and something that I'm still working on, to be honest, but it's so important to challenge those thoughts. Anytime you find yourself going through negative self-talk and being overly critical or hard on yourself, take a step back and assess if what you're telling yourself is actually true. Because I guarantee you that 99% of the time, it's not. You deserve grace 
just by virtue of being a human being. Finding the strength to power through each day is an accomplishment and should be treated as such. Also, when you start treating yourself as though you are worthy of love, you will start to manifest that. Take yourself out on dates. Travel to that place you've always wanted to go. Buy that purse you've been eyeing for weeks. Go to a spa. Get a massage. You're worth it. If you find yourself in a space where you no longer want to exist, don't sit with those feelings. The most important thing to do is talk to someone. If you have a support system, go to them. If you don't feel as though you have anyone to talk to, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is available 24 hours a day. Call them, 800-273-8255. It's important to remember that there are always other options. As painful and real as it may seem, there is no need to act on what you're feeling, especially in the moment. So please, talk to someone. There are three things that I haven't mentioned yet. Exercise, therapy, and medication. I saved these three for last because these are what I call my holy trinity when it comes to battling depression. Over the last few years, these are the three things that I've benefited from the most. Having a regular exercise routine has worked wonders for me. Admittedly, I do need to get better at sustaining that, but it has definitely been a game changer. With therapy, I often hear people tell me that it didn't work for them. And then I ask, well, how many therapists did you go to? And then they go, oh, I only tried one. So then I ask, well, do you get along with every single person you meet? So why would you expect to find a good therapist for you on the first try? No, you have to try a few different therapists until you find one that's a good fit for you. Everyone has their own style, and it might take you a few tries to find one that you really gel with. My therapist now is really great. It really helps when you feel like you can relate to one another. Medication I know can be a touchy subject, and so I want to make it clear that I am in no way trying to push medication on anyone. But if it's something that you're curious about, and you think that you'd like to give it a try, then talk to a psychiatrist. They will help you make an informed decision. And again, you might have to try a couple different medications before you find one that works best for you. The first one that I tried in college was okay, but it wasn't super effective, and I also didn't like some of the side effects. And then about three or four years ago, I switched medications and it's made all the difference in the world. So again, those are the three main things, therapy, exercise, and meds, that have worked the best for me. It might take you a while to figure out what works best for you, but it's definitely worth the hassle. So to sort of wrap things up, I wanna say that depression is hard. It's so incredibly difficult. It's not like other illnesses where you go to the doctor and they prescribe something and that's it. It's a constant internal battle that you're fighting and you have to fight it on multiple fronts, which is why I made sure I included several different suggestions because the same thing won't work for everyone. But I will say this, before you even get to any of the things that I mentioned earlier, you have to believe. That's where it starts. And that's probably the most difficult thing. One of the things that I'm most proud of is that I never let myself lose sight of that light at the end of the tunnel. All throughout college, when I was going through some of my darkest times, I refused to believe that this was going to be my life permanently. I knew what I had been before depression, and I knew what I could still be once I got a handle on things, even if I had no idea how I was going to do that. There are some people out there who can't remember what life was like before they began struggling with depression. And I know that's scary because I almost got to that place myself. But you have to believe that there is a way out and that a better life does exist. And you have to want that for yourself. That to me is the biggest thing. Once you have the will to get better, you'll find a way, even if you have no idea what that way will be. You'll figure that out later. Just start with, 
I want to get better. And that's it. That's enough. And you are enough. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope you'll join me for my next episode where we'll talk about acceptance. Take care. <laughs>